welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 is where we are this morning, uh, more or less looking at verses uh, 1 through 17. Uh, really focusing on verses 12 and following. So Colossians chapter 3 is where we are. So you can go ahead and, and take your Bible and turn there as we continue our series, Better Together. You may have heard some of those uh, one another's throughout that passage. What we're doing in this series are looking at those one another passages uh, that we find in Scripture. Uh, coming out of that great command, that command that Jesus gave us to love one another as he gave us uh, the night before he was betrayed and how this fleshes out in our church, particularly in our lives the life of Riverside uh, Church. We're looking at this series better together. Colossians chapter 3 is where we are. Uh, One of my least favorite days in all of elementary school was dress down day. I did not enjoy dress down day. I would just rather keep my money and not pay the dollar that it costs to dress down on those days. I did not enjoy dress down day. You know the days where there are themes and some sort of instructions of dressing down and dressing out of uniform. Those days stressed me out. And unfortunately, I've passed that stress on to my daughter. Anytime there is a, this is a true story, I'm not making this up for the sermon. Um, anytime there is a dress down day, uh, there is low key stress in our car on that ride to school because uh, uh, my daughter is worried that she might show up to dress down day and it not be dress down day. And then she would be out of uniform and she would not be dressed for the occasion or even she's dressed down for the wrong day. So there is not a sigh of relief in our car until we pull in that circle drive and we see someone dressed down in the proper theme for that day. That was me. And now that is her. I wanted to be dressed for the occasion. Even uh, when I played bass, this, this didn't stop in elementary school. This went on to high school. I, I love wearing uniforms. I love that our high school had uniforms and strict uniforms uh, because I didn't have to guess what I'm wearing every day. Um, when I played baseball, I, I never wanted to be out of uniform for game day, right? And so I even enumerated that. There were seven things that I had to have on my body if I was going to take the field and be in uniform for that day. So I broke it down into seven things. We had to wear a mock turtleneck under our uniform, so that was number one, our undershirt. Then we had the overshirt, the main jersey. Then we had the pants. That was number three. Number four was the belt. So I had that on. If I had that on, then I had my socks and my shoes and my hat. That's number seven. I can take the field even after I borrow a glove or a bat or something else. I at least have my uniform on for that day. I'm just stressed out even thinking about that. I hope I haven't stressed you out about dressing. I, I love wearing uniforms. And if you ever uh, notice, you might go back through some pictures that Kim posts on Facebook. I have a very limited wardrobe and I love having a limited wardrobe. My wife still calls it my uniform to this day. And I am absolutely okay with that. Because I want to be dressed for, not stick out. I just want something I can wear and put on and not think about and not waste that brain space on thinking about what I'm going to wear that day. Here in Colossians chapter 3.13, we hear another one another command. It says, uh, brothers and sisters, here's what we are, to bear with one another and forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. And I tell you all of that about dress down day and dressing up and all of these things because I don't know about you, but the bear with one another party is not necessarily the one I or you enjoy attending. You know where we have to be patient with difficult people and forgive people that have offended us? 
that's not necessarily the party we like to go to. And what's even worse, if we show up to the bear one another party or the forgive one another party and we are not dressed right, it will be an absolute disaster. But if we're dressed right, and we have the right uniform on, if you are dressed right, there's a promise that we will experience in our own hearts and in the life of this church a deep thankfulness. We will be governed by the peace of Christ and the word of God will dwell richly among us. If we are dressed right, and we're going to get to how to dress, what are those things? I had the seven things that I wore for baseball. I had the stress. I'm not being dressed right on time, but we're going to get there. But first, we want to ask the question, what does it mean to bear with one another? We want to start working through this passage. So Colossians chapter 3 is where we are. I read that to you, that we have this command here. That's the first thing. Bear one another is a command. Bear with one another, the Bible says in Colossians 3, 13. It says, forgive one another. You must forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. This is a command that if you are part of the body of Christ, you are commanded to put up with people. You are commanded to put up with and be patient, painfully patient with difficult people and with difficult circumstances. There is a reality that is part of life as a believer that you will have to put up with one another. And that means each of us is someone that has to be put up with. Uh, There is something probably about you that people have to put up with. It's something that may be not ideal for them, but they are patient with you. That's commanded. This is what we are told to do. This means that people will cause you grief and pain and frustration and heartache in the body of Christ. There are people that will cause you to lose sleep at night, and that's okay. The Bible says, bear with them. Forgive them. Be patient with them. We are commanded to bear with one another, to tolerate others, and to patiently put up with each other. I don't know about you, but that's not always my favorite party that I want to attend. It's difficult to bear with one another, especially if anyone has an offense against you, a complaint against another that we are to forgive. And if you don't come dressed right to that party where you have to put up with people and difficult people where people maybe have offended you or have a complaint against you, perfect peace and unity will not reign in the church. You are waiting for a disaster to happen. But these are commands that are giving not only to bear with one another, but to actually take that a step further and to forgive one another because love covers a multitude of sins. But there's something around this command in Colossians chapter 3, 13, this other one another command to bear with one another and forgive one another, excuse me. The command is proceeded by chapter 3, verse 14. I know that's, that's a, a huge revelation there, right? Chapter 3, 13, after 3, 14, but listen to what it says. Put on love. So not only are we talking about bearing and forgiving, but loving even which binds everything into perfect harmony. He looks at the promise here. And the peace of Christ will rule in your hearts to which you were indeed called to one body and be thankful the word of Christ will dwell richly among you with teaching and admonishing. It even says it's going to put a song in your heart. 
in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness to God in our hearts. So I want you to understand this in this command to bear with one another, the promise that arises out of this, that we will have peace, we will have unity, we will be able to see the love of Christ, and we will have the word of God correct us and admonish us and even encourage us that we will be a people and a place that has a song in our hearts of thankfulness to God. Do you want that? I don't know about you, but I I want that. Okay, so that's the promise. So that gives me a a little bit of of hope in this command. Okay, I can bear, and and this promise is coming of, of thankfulness to God in our hearts. But then I look back at the preceding verse, 312. I think it's even more difficult. Put on then, look at verse 12 of chapter 3. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved... Not only we're forgiving and bearing with one another in love, compassionate hearts. Like this is the kind of compassion means like you feel it in your guts. Like you have that kind of love, for, not, not just in, in word, but in deed and in feeling. This with compassion we bear and forgive and love. With kindness we bear, forgive, and love with the hope of the promise of a song in our heart, the thankfulness to God with the word of God dwelled richly among us. Humility, meekness, and patience. And so not only are, is this command to bear with one another and this, this promise and this glorious picture of the peace of Christ you know, with thankfulness of our hearts being manifest among us, now we're told this, that there's this attitude behind it that if we say that we love, if we say that we're bearing, if we're saying that we're forgiving... That we cannot, I said this last week, I'm going to say it again, we can't unsay with our attitudes and with our actions what we are saying with our words. If, if we are saying that we are bearing with one another, if we're saying that we are forgiving one another, and by the way, after this, Paul goes into the home, by the way. So this matters in your, not just your church and individuals, but this matters in your home as well. That's where he ends up taking this application. We're not going there this morning, but I just want you to know this, this goes into your home as well. That, 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 that what he's saying here is, is, is we don't want to unsay, with, if we say we love, forgive, and all of this, but we don't do it with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. He, even Paul would say, you know, talking about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if, if I speak in tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And he describes Love, it's patient and kind, doesn't envy or boast, it's not arrogant or rude, it's not irritable, it doesn't insist on its own way, it's not resentful, it does not rejoice in wrongdoings. That's what Paul is saying here. That we can't unsay with our lives and with our attitudes, we say we love one another, but yet we're not compassionate and humble and meek and patient and kind. We are unsaying with our lives what we're saying with our Words And so the sum of what we're saying in this point number one, what does it mean to, uh, to, to bear with one another? It's a command, but the command comes with a promise of a harvest of harmony and holiness in the body of Christ, of thankfulness in our hearts. But it's no easy command. And it even calls for a proper attitude that, that we must come dressed for the bear with one another party if we are to enjoy and see the blessings of God in that. But even before we get to how to dress, the Bible is going to tell us that. You may have seen that already. Something that we cannot miss in this passage, follow along with me, 
is the Bible is not giving a list of commands. Now, you do this. There's commands, but I've said before, what Christ commands, he, he empowers us to do. That is so crucial for us to understand that we're not doing this in our own strength. We're doing this with the power that he provides. So what is the power to dress for this party? Go back to chapter 3, verse 1. We're kind of reverse engineering this passage here. Chapter 3, verse 1. Here's what Paul has already said. If then, he's a, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Uh, this is not a command to do something in your own strength. This is the command to do something in the strength that he has provided. That the old is gone, the new has come. He says the future is secure. You have died and your life is hidden with God in Christ. Get your eyes on Christ and know the old has died, the new has come. Know this, that you have been buried with him in baptism. You have been raised through Not your own power, but faith by trusting in the powerful working of God who raised him, Jesus Christ, from the dead. And you were dead in your trespasses. But God has made you alive together with him. He has forgiven you all your trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. Colossians chapter 2 says this. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, and he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open open shame. That no longer has a power over you. Christ has canceled the record of death that stood against you. He has forgiven you completely and fully at the cross of Jesus Christ. Your old man has died. That's not you anymore. The Christian is no longer under the dominion of sin, and the evil one cannot snatch you away. The most cruel tyrant ever to enslave men and women is no longer in control over you. No power, no hidden forces, nothing that influences the majority of people in our world today. That no longer has a hold on you. You are raised with Christ. So then if you are raised with Christ, this is who you are. You are a new man or woman in Christ. And not only are you a new man or woman, notice what he says in verse 11 of chapter 3. It says, here in this body of Christ, there's not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. So here's what he's saying. Here's your identity. Here's who you are. You're a new man in Christ, and not only you, but all of your brothers and sisters in Christ who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ that are sitting around you, their identity is now Christ, and Christ is all in all, and you are the body of Christ. No matter your socioeconomic background, no matter race or where you come from, no matter, you are all one in Christ. That's who you are. You're doing this out of your identity. And even he's going to go on to say, I'm jumping ahead here, when he, when he tells us what to put on, you put it on as his beloved ones. As his chosen ones, he says in verse 12. As the ones who were chosen, holy, and beloved, you are not doing this in order to earn the favor of God. You understand this. You, you are not doing this in order to earn your salvation. You are not doing this, but through Christ in you is your hope to do this. And who he has made you. And who he has made not only you, but us. 
all of us who are in Christ, because there's neither Jew nor Greek nor Scythian nor Ben, none of these things, but we're all one in Christ. That's where the power comes from, of who Christ has made you. So, that's who Christ, that's where the power, the power is Christ in you, don't miss that. What we're after is not to earn the favor of God. You are holy, beloved. You are sealed for eternity. When Christ is your life, when he appears, you will be with him in glory. Okay, that's the power of who we are. So, let's start to get dressed. First, we have to have the right mindset of who we are in Christ. And this is what he says. That's Point number one, and some of you know, first thing in the morning when you're getting dressed, if you start off getting dressed with a bad mindset, you look in the mirror, you don't like what you see, everything kind of snowballs from there if you don't get your mind right. So set your minds, verse two, on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Get your eyes off earth, get your eyes in glory. Get your eyes on self, get your eyes on Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and he's coming back to make everything right. And get your eyes on heaven where Christ is interceding for us and pleading for us. And get your eyes on heaven where the finished work of Christ is seen as he's seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Get your eyes on heaven where you behold your Christ who has canceled the record of debt that stood against you and rejoice in your glorious Christ. Get your eyes on Christ. Set your mind on things above. For you have died and your life is hidden with God in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, verse 3, then you will appear with him in glory. Get your mind right. Get your eyes on heaven. Get your mind on heaven. And then, don't go to the clothes that don't fit anymore. You have some of those clothes in your closet? I just threw out those not long ago. Uh, Sometimes it's for various reasons why those clothes might fit. Maybe they're old. Maybe they don't fit for various reasons. Uh, Your life has changed. Fitness has changed for the better or for the worse, whatever reason. Those clothes don't fit anymore. You have some clothes like that? Some of you? Put those off. Don't even go to that part of the closet anymore because that part, that, that's been taken away. That's gone. That's out of there. Taken to goodwill. It's been put in the trash bags. It's out of here. Don't even go looking for it anymore. And here's what it was in verse 8. He talks about putting to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetous, idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You once walked in these things. These used to fit you. These type of clothes used to be fitting for you. But these clothes don't fit anymore. So stop putting them on. But now, look at verse 8. But now you must put them all away. Put them away. Get them, get them out of here. Here's what they are. Don't wear this to dress down day. Anger. This, this is talking about this inner anger. You've had this before towards people. It builds up like sap in a tree. Like we've been growing cabbages out there. Those cabbages get so big they just start to split. They get so big. Ever feel like your, your chest is just about to split open because you have so much anger built up? That's not you anymore. Don't even go there. Don't try to put that on. Wrath. This is the anger boiling over into a quick temper. Have you been quick tempered with someone? Probably this morning or this week. Or th- That's not you anymore. The record of debt that stood against you on which the wrath of God, that has been canceled on the cross of Jesus Christ. That's gone. That's not, don't go to that part of your closet. In fact, that part of the closet's gone. That's not you anymore. 
So stop trying to put it on. You wonder why it doesn't fit and makes you miserable and steals your peace and your joy. It's because it's not you anymore. Wrath, malice. This is where anger and wrath start to breed action, a mind that plans evil and rejoices in the struggles of others. Have you ever rejoiced in the struggles of others, at least low-key? You would never say that, I know, but you kind of think, huh, they got what was coming to them. Malice, slander, a mouth that speaks poorly or sows doubt about others. So we start thinking and saying things that sow doubt about people in our lives. That breeds obscene talk. Slander can spill over and lead to even unholy talk. And not just unholy talk, but outright lying. And stop lying about one another. A lot of this is coming out of the mouth. And that's why even James, the brother of Jesus, would say that the mouth and the tongue has great power. It's like a rudder on a ship and it can set force to fire. Have a new mindset. Don't put those clothes that don't fit anymore, should not even be in your closet anymore, shouldn't even be an option anymore. A lot of this is coming out of the mouth. Things we say about one another, about people who are difficult to bear with, people who are difficult to forgive. This is not who you are. This is not who they are. That's not their identity. Christ is all in all. These clothes no no longer fit because you are a new person The Bible says, listen to what it says here in verse 10. And so have to put on the new self, which is being renewed. So the good news is that you are not, you know, you're being renewed in the knowledge after the universe creator. You are not, you know, somehow crumbling down, right? That's where sin takes us. It causes us to crumble and decay. You're not decaying anymore in your sin, But you're being renewed, so walk in that. Which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of his creator in verse 10. So we want to be Jesus-y people, don't we? Where people see Christ. Because Christ is all in all. If you're dead, you've been raised to life in him. That's your new identity. Christ is all in all. We want people to see Christ. Don't put those clothes anymore. They don't fit anymore. Stop trying to fit into those clothes. So what do we put on? This is your uniform. These are the things. This is the clothes that fit. This is how you show up to the bear with one another party, the forgive one another party, the love one another. This is how you show up to that party and experience joy and thankfulness and dwelling of God among us in our hearts. Here it is. Put on then. Here's your new wardrobe, brothers and sisters. As God's chosen, not to be God's chosen. I'm going to say it again so you don't miss this. This is grace all the way down. You're God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. The identity you've been given in Christ, put this on. You've been made holy and beloved, put this on. Compassion. I said a minute ago, this is the, have you felt so compassionate about someone before that it kind of, you might describe it as butterflies in your stomach. Like you can feel it down in your gut. You care so much about them. Be compassionate to one another. The brother that has offended you and sinned against you or the brother that struggled with sin that's so difficult to, God, give me compassion. Because Jesus looked on the masses and what was, he was a, he he looked at and saw saw that there were sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. 
that God looked upon you, a poor and helpless sinner, and your only hope, you had a record of death that stood against you. The wrath of God was against you, but praise God, he looked on you with compassion and kindness. It's the kindness of the Lord, Romans tells us, that leads towards repentance. It's a tenderness towards others. It's not harsh. This is the word that Jesus describes himself where his yoke is easy and his burden is light, that we are now compassionate and kind. This is who our Christ is, and Christ is in us. This is what he's doing in us. Humility, a lowliness towards others. I love it how one writer said, he said, the biggest somebody in the universe made himself a nobody. The Apostle Peter's charge to be clothed with all humility in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, he said, reminds us of the one who wrapped himself in a towel and washed his disciples' feet. You're compassionate now and kind and humble and meek. This is a gentleness. This is not being impressed with your importance. That's what meekness means. That's you are, you're not under the control of your own self or your own importance. You are under the control of Christ. He is your guide. And so restoring a sinning brother or someone who has sinned against you is a work for those with a spirit of meekness, not for those who ooze moral superiority. Meekness. Meekness like Christ. A very common word that Jesus, that the Lord uses to describe himself is that the Lord is patient and slow to anger and abounding in love. And so he's saying here, you likewise, if you are in Christ, is this humility, this meekness. And what does he say? Be patient. Be willing to endure even when others are difficult, even when it takes a long time. The Bible tells us in in. In 2 Peter, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, that our only hope that Christ has not come back and you've had time to turn and repent of your sin is that he has been patient. And he still hasn't coming back. We're waiting for that because he is being patient until the fullness of his people come in. The Lord is patient. Above all of this, I said it a second ago, love binds all of these things together. And it's not just a love in word, but a love in deed, a love of compassion, a love of humility, a love with meekness and patience and kindness, a love like you've been loved in Christ Jesus. So you also are to love one another. And above all these, verse 14, final things we're going to say here. Put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And here's the fuel that will continue to throw kindling on that unity among us. Listen to what it says here, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now this idea of rule is this idea of an umpire. So what is it saying? It's saying that the peace of Christ be the umpire that's calling the game around here. In your home, in your church, in your heart, let the peace of Christ be the ones calling a play. Not ones that blow calls, but good umpires that call the game rights. So peace is not the absence of trials or difficult people or struggling people, but the presence of Christ among us and what's guiding us. The Bible says that we are to be diligent 
in seeking peace, to work for peace. That's what's guiding us. That every interaction you have, what's the umpire? What's the rule? I'm seeking peace with my brother through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the one calling the shots. Let peace rule among you. Not conflict or hate or wrath or envy or malice or slander, but let the peace of Christ rule among you. That's what's controlling us. And then it says, let the word of God dwell richly among us. So let the word of God inform you and and correct you and admonish you and teach you. And not only that, but let that build up thankfulness in your heart for what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. So be a church all be a church about peace but not at the forsaking of truth because we we are a bible we wonder why we preach the bible and sing songs that point us to the bible because it points us to Christ we are word filled people because we want the word of God to dwell richly among us here it is that our hearts would not only grow in wisdom but we have a song in our hearts psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness to God in our hearts. And then finally he says, and whatever you do, church, in your home, wherever you work, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do everything in the one who has forgiven you. Do everything in the name of the one who has raised you with him. Do everything with the one who has canceled the record of death that stood against you. Do, do everything in the name of the one who humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. Do everything in the name of the one who has been kind to you. Do everything in the name of the one who was meek and patient, who bared with you, who forgave you. Do everything in his name. And then, church, Christ will be big among you. And if Christ is big in your homes, if Christ is big in your heart, if Christ is big in this church, then brothers and sisters, we will show people Christ. So we go back to the command of Christ. Love one another as Christ has loved you. And in doing this, they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I'm so thankful that Jesus is patient with me. I'm so thankful that Jesus is kind with me. Who's so thankful that Jesus humbled himself to the point of death. I'm so thankful that he's compassionate. And I'm so thankful, as the Bible says, that even the wicked man at this hour can forsake his way and the righteous man his thoughts. And here's what the Bible says. Let him return to the Lord. This is, not, this is the word of God saying. This is God himself saying this. Even if you're stuck in your wickedness and your sin this morning, the Bible says return to the Lord and he will have compassion on you. And he will abundantly pardon you. And you will know this peace that passes all understanding. And so brothers and sisters, let's be people this Thanksgiving week with thankfulness to God in our hearts And may that be fueled by what Christ has done for us. And let's stop going back to that part in our closet, even as you stuff your bellies this Thanksgiving day, and you probably think you need to go back to the part in your closet that has the stretchy pants you know you're going to need after the holidays. Don't even go there anymore. 
that part of you is gone. You've been clothed with Christ. And so live in that identity and Christ will be exalted among us. Let's pray that that would be so.